Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown and beyond. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Hope everybody had an awesome 4th of July. I, uh... I love that the fireworks are back in downtown Indy. There was a year or two there with COVID. They got rid of them, and then they couldn't find sponsors, blah, 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 blah. I love that they're back. I think Indy had the big, like, fourth fest yesterday downtown before the show. Uh, I was not downtown. I, I, you know, neighborhood pool party, that kind of thing, Fire little fireworks afterwards with the kids. But I hate waking up the next morning, Hammer, after such a great weekend and seeing that, um, you know, the conditions in downtown Indy are continuing to do to deteriorate with the crime and the homelessness and the drugs shootings on the canal last night well first of all let's start with the homelessness okay it's not just people like myself that are noticing this um abdul who walked around downtown the other day because we were one of the few people that were in the building july 3rd i walked down to the sandwich shop pot belly for lunch i counted about six different homeless guys just from my portion of monument circle down to pot belly which is barely half a quadrant that's about six people laying in the road abdul at a completely different time separate time post on social media at a different time he counted seven and he walked around to the comic book store so that's what we're seeing down here on Monument Circle. We're not lying to you. No, I just tweeted out a picture at Hammer Nigel on Twitter about, uh, I mean, there's a picture of a passed out tweaker with his hands down his pants right in front of my dad's uh, doorstep. He lives in central downtown on a on, in, on a major street. This guy, he, I was on my way to drop my kids off downtown with their grandparents this morning, and my dad had to look at the guy, and you'll see on the picture, at Hammer and Nigel, the guy is like literally just stoned out of his mind. I don't know what he's on, probably meth. And that's the other thing. You say homeless people, that's one thing. But I would say the majority of them are drug addicts. And Correct. They, they they don't want to get help. They know there is help. There are shelters. But <laughs> you'll see that, I mean, just I mean, just passed out right in front of the doorway of a residence. And you also got the privilege of witnessing another lewd nude dude in the news. Oh, <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. So, oh my God. So Saturday, we're on, we're downtown. My wife has like her boss's boss's boss in town. He's the high the, roller. The, yeah, the, the like number three dude and his wife and kids. And so we're downtown and we're on a rooftop having dinner and drinks. And I look over at the hotel across the street. Oh my God! <laughs> it's a lewd new dude in the news standing in the hotel window across the street. You could see like diagonally from where we were on the rooftop at, just shoving his junk right out there for everybody to see. He was pounding on the window trying to get people to look at him. I'm looking I, at the I, picture you posted <laughs> on Twitter. Gives off that creepy, creepy Buffalo Bill vibe. Well, look at the look at the window directly next to him. There's a face, like just, it's really, 
It's really creepy. What the hell gross. is that? Yeah. <laughs> you're not even talking about the nude guy in the hotel window. You're talking about the window over. With yeah, the- what is that? It's like it's like a floating ghoul. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What the hell is that? What did you see? So it's like, yeah, we were trying to, you know, impress my wife's, you know, <laughs> you know, trying to have a nice night, and this is the representation we get in Indianapolis. You took that photo that you posted on Twitter yeah. at Hammer and oh, Nigel. Yeah. I took, yeah, yeah, my dad took the one of uh, of the guy right right outside his door. And listen. We all have seen these types of things. So if you came downtown for the fireworks yesterday, you probably didn't see a lot of these things. So I'm wondering which hotel was the <laughs> fortunate choice yeah. where Boss Hawk said rounded everybody up and took them to. Uh, maybe it was that one that we were. At. I'm not going to say the name of the, the hotel, but it was. <laughs> I'm weirded pretty- out by the thing next to the naked guy. <laughs> like I don't know what that is. You're not weirded. You're weirded out more by the ghoul, the floating ghoul in the window, more than the guy's junk pressed up, smashed up against the window. I expect that <laughs> from downtown Indy <laughs> under Joe Hogg's leadership i expect naked people like i have seen a gentleman treating his body like an amusement park in front of uh, the yeah. radio station that when the cops got called and they showed up and they were like oh come on right can you imagine getting that phone call from dispatch not the first time i've seen that guy <laughs> i expect that but i have no idea what this f- weird ghoul scary monster thing is in the other window so, again check that out i mean this is this is recently from over the weekend uh at hammer nigel on twitter i'll try and throw it up on facebook too and unfortunately waking up today you're right nigel we heard about another shooting at the canal we say another because it feels like that's a hot spot for activity and everybody's gonna say gun violence gun violence just got a hunch that the type of people that are shooting folks on the canal on the 4th of July probably aren't the law-abiding citizens that were waiting for the law to change so they could go out and get no, their firearm. totally ridiculous to blame any of this on permitless carry. Um, sounds like a lot of the folks are going to be okay, uh, but that block party was a completely different story. 16-year-olds dead, four injured. This was a block party on the northeast side of Indianapolis. Mm, Uh, This happened about 11 o'clock on Monday, uh, Forest Manor Avenue near East 32nd Street. Uh, Looks like it was predominantly black community members having this party. The violence broke out, and uh, unfortunately, a 16-year-old is dead and four injured. So my question to you, listening to this radio program, are you going to vote for Joe Hogsett again? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Joe Hogsett's the reason this 16-year-old is dead. But why would you want the same thing to happen over and over again? Crime in this city has been redamdiculous for a while. The homicide record happened under Joe Hogsett's watch. Oh, by the way, before constitutional carry was even a thing. So don't try to blame the gun for that. Why would you keep electing this guy year after year? And on the other side, if you're Jefferson Shreve, you've got to get out there. Putting a tweet out is okay, but the kind of people you need to reach aren't following you on Twitter. 
You've already got the folks that hate Joe Hogsett. You've got to win over some of the people that voted for this clown the last couple of elections. You've got to do some press conferences, get out there, walk the streets. I'm happy to see some of the commercials rolling again, but my God, come on. And if you're going to put out a press conference, learn from the mistake you made the last time where you basically said, well, I agree with Joe Hogsett. No, I don't want to hear that at all, at all. I mean, the uh, troubling one was the, the the canal shooting too. I mean, it's random. I don't think I don't think the victims knew each other, and they haven't found the gunman yet. I mean, the, the canal shooting for me is just yeah, that's awful. The sixteen year old died, you know, a life robbed, um, way too young. But they have any like the? Uh, do you remember the the name Jessica Dottie Whitaker? Back in twenty twenty, gotten to some sort of altercation with some BLM supporters, and they shot her killed her still haven't found they still haven't found the killer as far as i know the last news story i see is from uh, last year and they hadn't find, found her killer there I, I think the canal is a very dangerous place late at night well even during the covid lockdowns i'm using air quotes there remember when we hosted all of march madness a broadcaster for one of the college teams was assaulted oh, on yeah. the canal walking over to broadcast the game like during lockdowns and COVID restrictions, we've got people getting attacked on the canal. So again, do you want more of this? Like, I'm curious to get into the mind of the Joe Hogsett voter. What do you like? What have you seen over his time as mayor to where you would say, let's give him one more run. Let's give him four more years. I know we've had record homicides and the city is deteriorating. We've got naked guys in windows and bums pooping in the fountains. But I really think the next four years, he's going to turn it around. Is that what you're looking for? Unbelievable. Real quick before we hit a break here, something we talked about last week when we had FOP President Rick Snyder in here. Unfortunately, there is a scam going around in regards to a fundraiser for the fallen Indiana State Trooper Aaron oh, Smith. Man, really? So the official account, if you want to donate any sort of money to fallen Trooper Aaron Smith, has been established by Indiana Members Credit Union, IMCU. Anything else that you see is bogus. Anything else you see is a scam. So do not fall for that. The official fundraising efforts for fallen trooper Aaron Smith, Indiana Members Credit Union under Aaron Smith Memorial Fund. And by the way, the plans for his service have been announced. Um, Friday at 11 a.m., that is the service at the Emanuel Church Greenwood Campus. Following that, there'll be the motorcade to Crown Hill Cemetery, where he will be laid to rest in the Heroes of Public Safety area. He will receive both police and military honors as he served in the Indiana National Guard. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Oh, is it Shark Tank? 
thought it is this the theme to Shark Tank? This is. It's a Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer mentioned earlier something about a, a game show. I don't know if it's a game show or reality, maybe a reality based type of show. Uh, holding auditions here in Indy. So Shark cool. Tank is going to be doing auditions July 17th at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So the gates are going to open at 6 a.m. You have to go to the ABC website, abc.com, to complete an application before you can show up. So if you're an entrepreneur or an investor or a business person, uh, like some sort of any sort of innovator with million dollar ideas to pitch show up at this place so i may have to miss work that day like what oh. day is the 17th what day of the week is that july 17th I think it's uh monday i believe all right i may be gone monday because this yeah, is my monday. opportunity to pitch my funeral channel <laughs> this is it <laughs> Remind us what the funeral channel is. So it's going to be kind of like the NFL Red Zone, but we're going to go around the nation to live funeral coverage. <laughs> Good and Lord. much like the WWE Network, we will have premium live events where we'll have paid executions well, available right. on demand. With a portion of the proceeds going to the victim's families, correct? Correct. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Correct. And we're looking for financial backers to get this off the ground. People love to be miserable. They love to watch <laughs> this kind of stuff. I would not tune into the funeral you, channel. This is a hit waiting to happen. I just need a little financial backing here, and maybe Mark Cuban can help me out. <laughs> um, and then before, so if you're thinking about doing this, you do have to complete some sort of application at abc.com and right. bring it to the open call. So did you see Jaws yesterday? I did. Now, there was controversy at first yeah. because it sounded like due to the weather, whether it was ESPN or whoever, somebody was trying to cancel the uh, event. Somebody was trying to cancel the hot dog eating contest, but ultimately it happened. And a friend of the show, now we can call him a Hoosier, uh, Joey Chestnut, because he now lives in Indy. He won by eating 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes. With 62 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes for his 16th win. I give you the number one ranked eater in the world, Joey Chestnut! That's a lot of dogs right there. It's not his record, though. His record is 76. And they were asking him about that afterwards. And I think part of the thing that threw them all off is is because of that rain delay. That they didn't know if they thought it was going to be canceled or... I mean, it happened two hours later than it should have yesterday. So there's a rhythm, there's a routine that they all go through. And uh, I'm wondering if he couldn't have gotten more dogs down had uh, everything kicked off on time. But 62 was That's enough to... Win by a landslide. Like, second place wasn't even close. 62 hot dogs is the equivalent of 18,910 calories <laughs> and 1,240 grams of fat. And he did that in 10 minutes to win the hot dog eating contest. Now, boots on the ground were telling us that ESPN was ready to scrap it and say, the weather's too bad, screw it, let's just go to a baseball game or something. But then something magical happened. Joey Chestnut himself started walking around, talking to fans, talking to his fellow competitive eaters and he rallied the troops and he said no this thing is going to happen and it's going to happen today as a matter of fact we've got a uh, copy 
of what Joey Chestnut said oh. right before uh, the hot dog eating contest. We will not go quietly into the night. <laughs> we will not finish. Wait a, a minute. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. That was Joey Chestnut. I was told that was Joey Chestnut uh, rallying the troops to make sure the contest happened. Because you know what? That's what Americans do. Joey Chestnut is a great American, and I'm not the only one that feels this way. Barstool's president, Dave Portnoy. Joey Chestnut, they tried to cancel the hot dog contest on him. He wouldn't let it happen. This guy, Joey Chestnut, the most American American who's ever fucking lived. I don't care who it is. He took down Kobayashi, Japan. I don't care if it's ISIS. I don't care if the Taliban. I don't care Putin. If we have a problem in America, stick Joey Chestnut on it. Last year, protesters came out, put him in a fucking headlock, beat the shit out of him. This year, the rain, lightning, ESPN trying to cancel. Chestnut says, no, no, no. I bleed. I piss. Excellence, red, white, and blue. I'm telling you. If we have world problems, we have any issues, stick Joey Jaws on it. Every year, he reminds it what it means to be Americans. Hot dogs, bombs, grenades, fireworks. Joey Chestnut, something to believe in. Hair, hair. Now, the women's contest also took place, and Mickey Sudo, she is the dominant force in the women's league. Yeah, she's like the Joey Chestnut of the female uh, version. She downed 39 and a half hot dogs in 10 minutes. And she's going to be joining us, I believe, on Friday. Friday, yeah. yeah Mickey Sudo will join us. Um, now, this is something we've talked about in the past. I, I hate this kind of crap. What is it? The National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. <laughs> That's, to me, in itself, is funny. There's a National Hot Dog and Sausage Council? There is. <laughs> and I'm a little upset I'm not involved in it. But they've come out with a statement saying that if you're old enough to vote, you shouldn't be putting ketchup on your hot dog. Because this anti-ketchup stance <laughs> has been going on for like the last decade. Yeah, whatever. Here's a clip from a video that the council put out a few years back reaffirming their stance on the condiment. Perhaps the cardinal rule, never, ever put ketchup on a hot dog after oh the age boy. of 18. We all have to grow up sometime. And besides, legend has it that within the city limits of Chicago, you could be arrested for such an offense. Now, for some reason, they, they get offended in Chicago when you put a ketchup on a hot dog. They're I mean, fine with electing Lori Lightfoot, but boy, <laughs> you put ketchup on a hot dog, you're some sort of pariah. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Show. I'm Nigel. Hammer's here. Casey Daniels from the Kendall and Casey Show here for the segment we like to call the side piece, which mm-hmm. is also her blog on WIBC.com. Casey, how hey, are you? I'm good. How about you guys? Did you have I'm, a good Fourth of July? Excellent. It was beautiful. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still. Uh, I've got all the fingers attached, fingers right. and toes. Yeah. I, I wasn't listening. Um, I wasn't around the other day. Were you, how long were you without power? Just. It was just about twelve a, hours. It went out at four and then came back on at four thirty in the morning. At, oh wow! Mm-hmm. So Hammer. How about you? 
Uh, just about 25 hours. Wow. Just over a day. Because wow. I heard you had the, the lady on when I was gone on Monday from AES. What did she have to say? I mean, The public like? relations director of AES, yeah. Kelly Young, basically told us that this weather phenomenon that came through, even though it was short-lived, yeah. had the power of a hurricane, but the rain and the wind and trees being down, and that's why all the chaos happened. And uh, anybody wants to go back and hear that conversation for themselves. It's at WIBC.com. Now, I heard that they clocked a wind uh, gust at the airport at 70 miles per hour. And that that was pretty much what did it. True, but also... And I've lived in Indy my whole life, mm-hmm. give or take a few years up at Ball State and Muncie. Sure. This happens. Mm-hmm. We have thunderstorms that are severe. We have tornadoes that go through all the time. This, I understand the power being out. What I don't understand is why it takes four days to fix it. Yeah. That was a problem. I mean, you look at Florida, and I know it's apples and oranges here, but if they had a Cat 5 hurricane go through like Sanibel Island. They had power at a bridge rebuilt in five days. We had people <laughs> (laughs) here in Indy because of a derecho Mm -hmm. that didn't have power for four days. Now, I'm not trying to stick up for AES at all, but hear me out on this because, you know, I did live in Florida, and one of the things that surprised me when I first got down there is all of the tree removal companies that advertised on the radio station. There were dozens of them, and I did not understand it until the first hurricane came through and knocked down all the trees everywhere and all the power, and I thought, oh, that's why they have all these tree removal services. So maybe, is it a problem that we need more tree removal services here in Indy or we just need more line crews? Well, that's it. There's no contingency plan, Mm -hmm. right? The folks that were going out working, you know, removing the tree limbs, removing the debris, working on the lines, Mm -hmm. I have no beef with them at all. They're doing God's work. Yeah, that's a dangerous job. But if you're sitting at the top of the food chain of Mm -hmm. AES, we get crazy weather in Indiana year-round. Remember, we get winter storms, ice storms, blizzards, tornadoes, heat waves. We get all of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, can we expect four to five days without power every single time something crazy happens? And are they going to prorate it on your next bill? Oh, no. They raised rates. Yeah, they did, didn't they? <laughs> Two days before this weather phenomenon happened, I got a nice little email saying, sucks to be you. Uh-huh. Hey, by the way, you're not going to have power and we're going to charge you more for it. That's, yeah, that's not good. So, who's ever at the top, they need to look at their uh, their paycheck and see if it's actually How was it equitable. in South Bend when you lived up there? Like, if because you get major winter storms yeah, up in South winter. Bend, yeah, lake yeah. effects, snow mm-hmm, and blizzards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we've all seen a Notre Dame game a time or two where the weather has been crappy. Yep. yep. Any power issues when you were up there? No, I mean, it would happen occasionally, but it was not a frequent thing. More than anything, in the winter, you had to worry about your burst pipes, or you get that ice shelf on the roof, which would cause a leak. So, that's big business up there. Not the tree removal service, but the ice removal service. So, uh, yeah, not having to deal with four days of no power, like many people suffered through here, which is awful. I had 12 hours, and I thought, I could not be more bored, or how did people do it in olden times? And you and I talked about this. I thought about Nigel a lot because the Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. How did they do it? Oh, I don't know. Just miserable. No wonder Just Pa was imagine. playing his fiddle all the time because yeah, it's bored. the only entertainment they had. Yeah. And Nigel was gone uh, the other day when we were doing the show. We had a guy on who had not had power for four days. Ugh. And the customer service feedback... It, 
was awful. Like really? the response that he was getting from his power company uh, was almost insulting. It was so, kind of like, suck it up, deal with it. Oh, you should have power by now. Have you tried flipping the breaker? His whole block is out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's tried flipping the breaker. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that, whether it's Duke, whether it's AES, mm-hmm. whoever it is, mm-hmm. you need to sit back and say, all right, what did we learn here? If a tornado comes through, if another derecho comes through, what can we do to make sure it's not four to five days without it? You can call Generex and get yourself a generator. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Casey Daniels with us. So you've lived in Florida. Mm-hmm. You've lived in South Bend. Mm-hmm. You now live in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And you now have to play the game that we've been playing for a long time, yeah. every July. Mm-hmm. Gunshot or firework? Gunshot or firework. And it was in full force last night. And you know what? We had both. You had both? I am certain of it. There is no way that those were just firecrackers. They just sound different. And I really feel like it was, yeah, it was both. We had gunshot and fireworks. The smoke was everywhere. I mean, it was nice because I could sit on the deck and get a free fireworks show, right? But at one point, I thought, oh boy, should I go in? Am I going to get hit by a stray bullet that's not even really coming in my direction i just happen to be there i don't know it, it it's it's a little unsettling sometimes have you ever heard anything like that before because here in indy and i'm guilty more than anybody we love fireworks oh yeah but also there's a lot of morons here that will either shoot at each other uh-huh. or they'll shoot their guns up in the air no. to celebrate right exactly it's the up in the air that's uh nerve-wracking no it's just a block party hammer they're just celebrating <laughs> um so i mean hey indianapolis crime 77 percent higher than the national average violent crime 80 higher. And why is that? Well, there's no repercussions, right? You can go out and commit all the crime you want because you're never going to have to pay for it. But constitutional carry is why it's happening, Casey. No, it's because if you do something wrong... And that's what they sound like when they say that. I know, but it's because if you do something wrong, nobody is holding anybody accountable. There's no punishment. So, what do they care? Just go go ahead. Go go commit all the crime. They put the GPS ankle monitors on. Yeah, okay. So, they'll know where they're at the next time they commit the a next time they crime. commit the right. crime right sure just just keep doing that it's working out so well for us so far one of the shooters and that's plural unfortunately from the last couple of days was a 16 year old so please tell me more about how constitutional carries the reason why everybody has a weapon now mm-hmm. this kid in theory is years away from being able to have a weapon in the first place it's almost like, bad guys will find a way to do bad things regardless. Yeah, well, almost like that. Okay, so I was in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. I went to visit some family. And these are people that really, really know how to protect themselves. And we actually took a wrong turn, got a little lost, ended up in Anacostia, which is not a good neighborhood at all. That's like when Clark Griswold was looking for directions on the first vacation. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and, and they were really kind of freaked out that we got to get out of here and I was about ready to jump out of the car and pump the gas because I was like, oh, what? No, I live in Indy. It's no big deal. And they they thought I was kidding. And I was like, no, you guys, you don't understand. The crime rate is worse in Indianapolis than it is in Chicago. And they were blown away by that. You didn't happen to, uh, you weren't the one with the cocaine at the White House, were you? Okay. The reports, the reports (laughs) that it was me who put that on the floor by the West Wing. They can't prove that. That is misinformation. No. Can you believe that? 
that near the floor, near the West Wing. Staff led tours. It's okay. So they found the cocaine where they asked the guests to keep their cell phones. And every headline that I'm seeing is cocaine was found at the White House when Biden was gone. When he was gone, he wasn't there. <laughs> when Biden was gone. Okay. Well, yeah. Hunter was there on Friday. Right. They found the coke on there. Sunday. He did. Well, yeah. He was back for the Fourth of July fireworks because that's who we want in our and, White and House. All the mainstream media outlets i've never seen them mention once the possibility or uh, that, you know well hunter biden was uh is you know in recovery from cocaine and crack yeah is there a possibility that uh, he could have accidentally dropped something out of his pocket walking through possibly i mean you know hunter comes back to the white house after being at camp david he sees the headlines what does he do he runs straight to the west wing where where where's it at i'll find it i'm telling you i don't think you can rule out the big guy that may have been the big guy's blow. I'm just saying, if you have a betting chart, Hunter is clearly the clubhouse favorite, mm-hmm. but I think good value is the big guy. How else do you think they prop him up there to do some of these speeches? <laughs> they need to give him some energy. It's like right. like it's a super B12 shot that they're giving this guy. Just a little toot toot. Um, I, it's awful, though. And it seems to me that the mainstream media keeps trying to lead you down the path of, it's where the tours are. So so it's possibly a tourist who brought it in. And I don't know. I'm kind of thinking maybe it was a staffer who uh, needed a little kick. Green John Cocaine. <laughs> there we go. What is coming up at the side piece? Okay, so there's a burger joint in Plainfield that is on the list for best hamburger in the nation. So, burger King? No, it's not Burger King. They've got a better name than that. Okay. So that'll be on the side piece. Just go to WIBC.com, select blog, and then side piece, and then you too can find out who has the best burger in Plainfield. Cool. Nine to noon, the Kendall and Casey Show. Casey, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. What's it in your lips? It's so good. So, yeah, I think there is still an unofficial boycott of Anheuser-Busch over their brief Bud Light partnership with uh, that transgender guy that pretends to be a little girl, Dylan Mulvaney. And I don't think I still say I maintain it has a lot to do with that, but also the fact that they're the, the head of marketing who came up with that genius idea to to pair up with Dylan Mulvaney. What's her name? Heinerschneid, <laughs> <laughs> who's since been fired. Uh, Fireschneid. She went. On, she, she, she went on a podcast just trashing Bud Light's customer base. They're too fratty. We, we, we you know, so, so, so. I mean, what, 25, 30% hammer? Down, sales down 25, 30%? In terms of stock value, you're talking billions. Uh, revenue down, sales down. And it's been a public relations nightmare. They can't give it away, Nige. Well, I think they're, they're trying to scrape and claw their way back. And there are some conservatives that are angry at Fox News, Hammer. Uh-oh. Oh, no. They highlighted Anheuser-Busch. 
during a recent segment on their morning show, Fox and Friends. It featured this guy named Dan Rooney. He's the CEO of Folds of Honor. Wasn't he the principal in Ferris Bueller? <laughs> Mr. Rooney? <laughs> I don't know if that was his first. Yeah. Nine times. <laughs> but no, Dan Rooney, the CEO of Folds of Honor, which is a charity that provides scholarships to veterans. So Rooney on Fox and Friends praised Anheuser-Busch for donating $22 million to Folds of Honor. And for some people, for some reason, people are angry at this. Well, some people are still angry at Fox. So this might be the perfect storm, right? People were angry at Fox for blowing out Tucker Carlson. And now they turn it on and they see them carrying the water for the same company that brought us such hits as Dylan Mulvaney. Can you really say it's carrying the water, though? I mean, they this they, they donated, Anheuser-Busch donated tens of millions of dollars to veterans, and their CEO of the Folds of Honor went on to say thank you. I, I don't think that was the entire reason. That wasn't the point of the interview. He just happened to mention it on the show, saying, hey, by the way, Anheuser-Busch donated $22 million. Or are they trying to buy their way out of this? Bingo. <laughs> There's think? that. Now Listen, they, I'm not going to rip them for donating money to no, this amazing and, charitable and, and cause. I, and I think they've been doing it for years. Right. And it's a great organization. I think John Rich uh, does some stuff with that organization as well. Uh, So I'm not going to rip them for that at all. But at the same time, they're definitely trying to buy their way out of this by playing the patriotic card because they've already tried to come out with these commercials about America and here come the Clydesdales and they're trying to play it up. The patriotic cans we've been told are on their way. So this is not going to be a quick or easy fix. But listen, don't rip Anheuser-Busch for donating money to this cause. Or I think the point was people were ripping Fox News for having that CEO on of Folds Folds of Honor. You can either not watch or not buy their product. That's probably the best way if you're angry and upset compared to going to Twitter, going to Facebook, bitching and moaning that Folds of Honor is going to get a lot of money. I think there's better ways to voice your displeasure. Uh, Doing some booze news here. How often do you find yourself at CoolMaterial.com? Never heard of it. CoolMaterial.com has a list of the health benefits for whiskey drinkers. Oh, man. I I should be the picture. (laughs) (laughs) I should be the specimen of of picture-perfect health, if that's the case. Uh, They spoke to multiple doctors, and they got it down to four health benefits of drinking whiskey. Uh, Give it to me. Number one, whiskey is loaded with vitamin C. What? Drinking a shot of whiskey gives you a full day supply of vitamin C without having to eat any citrus fruits. What? Number two, it slightly prevents cancer. (laughs) A study found that people who drink whiskey have a moderately lower chance of getting cancer thanks to the antioxidants, including the vitamin C. Okay, should be good there. Number three, Drinking whiskey prevents other diseases as well. A study from New York University found people who drink whiskey in moderation, that's the key word there, Nige, moderation have lower chances of getting strokes, dementia, heart disease, and blood clots. Okay. Well, that might be a problem. That moderation part gets (laughs) you. And lastly, number four, whiskey, believe it or not, can calm you down. Researchers oh, in Toronto yeah. found one glass of whiskey can help with nerves and lower your heart rate. 
Yeah, I mean, you get home from a stressful day at work, pour yourself a, a glass of, uh, you know, whatever your preferred drink of choice is. Takes the edge off, I believe, is uh, how they put it. But doesn't that go like both ways? Because I've heard of whiskey drunk, and that's well, never yeah, a good but drunk. That's where the moderation comes in. <laughs> okay. So if you have the calming down glass and yeah. you chase it with three to four to five <laughs> other calming yeah. down glasses, they're you not very into, calming at all. You're going to turn into a mean drunk. Yeah. <laughs> right. The kind of guy that throws the glasses right back at you. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest in the studio. Robert Evans III is a policy analyst, a fellow at the Mitch Daniels Leadership Foundation, uh, formerly a researcher and contributor to Chalkboard Review. He's got a degree from Indiana University's McKinney School of Law, studying for a degree in public affairs. Mr. Evans, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, great, but you have that backwards. I already have the degree for public affairs, but I'm studying for the degree from McKinney School ah, of Law. So. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. You're still studying. No one, yeah. You're still studying the law. Yeah. All right. right exactly. I don't want anyone to think that I'm like no, no. a lawyer out here. Get, so. get, get it right. So, we've been talking for a long time long about time. where Joe Hawkset was during the nights of riots. Sure. Because in other Democratic cities, take Atlanta, for example, I remember Keisha Lance Bottoms having a press conference telling everyone, quote, this is chaos, go home. She was loud. She was vocal. Other cities that are very blue, the mayors were there trying to restore order. Here in Indianapolis... That didn't happen, and it's almost taboo to even bring it up. Mm -hmm. Nobody in the Indianapolis media outside of this radio station wants to have the conversation about where Joe Hawkset was during the riots of 2020. You have started trying to put pieces of the puzzle together here. At least you're trying. So take me through what you have right now. Yeah, you know, thanks, guys. And so I'll, I'll tell you how this started, really, was the questions that, I mean, you guys and Tony Katz and really the station, uh, Rob Kendall also, were asking back in um, 2020 and into 2021 about, you know, what happened, you know? And for me, it wasn't really political, but, but, but I did, you know understand the impact that this period had on the city, right? Those weeks will define the mm, city for, yeah. for years and years to come, decades to come. Like, look at downtown and how it's changed and everything. And so, I started asking simple questions. I, I, I filed an APRA request, you know, the state's records request, um, in early in mid-2022, and the response I got back was really strange, right? The first thing I got back was... What did, what did you ask for the, in the yeah, request? Yeah, no, I, I, can read, I can read that request to you specifically, because that was the thing. It's like, I would like all emails, text, or phone transcripts regarding correspondence for the above-listed individuals and any other person that Mayor Joe Hogsett was in contact with during the days of May 29th through June 1st of 2020. I am interested in executive orders or general guidance and communications between the Mayor's office, the City County Council leadership, and any emergency services response to rise to happen to those days. So to me, that's pretty expansive, right? Sure. Right. Yeah. Do they have to give that stuff to you? They have to. They have to. And the only thing that they gave me back was one executive order that he put out, I believe, the morning of the 21st or something. And then I had some back and forth with their corporate attorneys and some other people and the staff. And they're like, the mayor doesn't have an email address. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> OK. OK. Here. 
And for those who don't recall of what happened in 2020, night number one of the riots happened, may have caught people by surprise. There's a lot of people that thought Indy did not have that in them, and it happened. Well, we never heard from the mayor. A night goes by. The next night, everybody knows what's going to happen. Everybody knew night number two was going to happen. We heard from the mayor, the tweet. We heard a, we saw a tweet come out from his account, but it sounds like that was put out by his assistant, Tom. Thomas Carl Cook. Sure. We did not physically see Joe Hogsett boots on the ground in Indianapolis until Sunday morning when all of the carnage had already happened and he basically blamed the police in his press conference. So that's, you know, is why a lot of people are wondering where was he? And let's stop dancing around the elephant in the room. There are rumors, and I don't know if it's true or not. I've been told by Democrat politicians in Central Indy that the mayor was either drunk or in rehab. Again, allegedly, I have no idea if that's true or not. I've been told that. So this is the reason why I think a lot of people are wondering, where was Joe? And I guess it's really not the point. The point is, who was running the city while this was going on? This is what you're wanting to get down to the bottom of, Robert. Yeah, and so like, let me let me say for record, because a lot of people have, have said this, that this is about exposing you know where the mayor was. I don't, again, I don't care if he was with his sick grandmother, right? I, I really don't. Yeah, we, all, we all struggle with issues. Like, I have a crazy addiction to books and jujitsu. My wife is always like, why do you have so many books? Do you really need another gi? Right? Like, I'm like that with donuts and beer. <laughs> I'm actually like that with beer and whiskey a little bit too. Yeah, whether or not he was with a sick relative yes. or trying to improve himself in rehab is, is exactly. really not the right. point here. We want to know but the point, who was the, running things. The point for me is that as I, as I started going down this rabbit hole, so that was the first request I, 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 I submitted. And I thought maybe it was too broad or too abstract, right? So I submitted another other one like a year later actually i think it was earlier last year and has some back and forth with with the their staff a little bit and they're fully aware and so this is this second one was based on the Drajan Reed shooting, right? Yes. And, and so I was asking, like, because there's an article in the IBJ that says that the mayor, sta- the mayor, and members of the mayor staff were at a meeting with the family of Drajan Reed and people from the Indy 10 Black Lives Matters group. So I specifically asked for meeting invites, calendars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They returned nothing to me. And I'm like, okay, so okay, so the IBJ's reporting this. I think it was reported in the Star for a second also, but the mayor's office has no records of this. So whether or not it happened or whether it happened or not, the, the big question for me is like now we're talking about transparency and in, in, in state and in city government, right? Because, Absolutely. Because if if because there are very specific statutes and laws about how how government officials have to track things for transparency for you know for citizens to be able to ask basic questions on there. One of the other things that really got to me, and this is a little bit of my background. So when I was doing my master's in public policy at O'Neill. Um, I actually interned for Indiana Department of Homeland, Indianapolis Department of Homeland Security. Okay. So I, I'm a former military police officer, served in Afghanistan back in 0203, right? So I have some a little bit of experience with like use of force, riot control, stuff like that. Right. I haven't done a lot of it. Not trying to put that out there, but I understand the theories around it. And so for my internship, 
I actually wrote the crisis communications plan for the city of Indianapolis. So you start. This is back when um, the end of the Ballard administration, and so when you start talking about the National Incident Response Management System, right? There's a very structured step that you have to take. Who's in charge? Who has accountability? A lot of the stuff came out of the FEMA stuff. The command from, hierarchy. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the stuff came out of the FEMA stuff from Hurricane Katrina after, and after 9-11 and stuff like that. So as I started doing these inquiries, I realized that even if everything was done as it should be, it, it doesn't seem like the city is actually engaging you know, the incident response management. They're just kind of like doing things... I don't want to say willy-nilly, but just kind of as it come to them, right? It was a mess. It, it was, was a mess. It was an was absolute mess. mess. And, and I, I, again, if the mayor was indisposed, whatever, that's not the point. I want to know who was running things and, and, and who, who was Who told the police to stand down? Who made that call that told IMPD to basically stand down yeah. and let this happen? Yeah. Because that's the million-dollar question. Who was running the city during the city's darkest hour? And so, and that's really where really where it started to grow for me. So when the mayor did the uh, police ac- accountability review board, I think that was in early, mid, late 2021, and they put all the blame on IMPD. Yeah. Now, what we have to remember is wow. that the mayor of Indianapolis is both the political but legal head of public safety of Indianapolis, right? So... When I started digging into that and reading it, and, and they put, and I know Rick Snyder talked about this a few times, they put all the blame on I, IMPD. The right. problem with this with this review is that all of the reviewers were picked by Joe Hogsett, and many of them are his donors. So what we're talking about here is a situation where the who the person who was legally in charge of this department picked the people to review himself. So there's no impartiality there that, that, that the city has from that review at all. And it's, it's, it's deeply unfortunate that that the city has put all this on, on IMPD, and we see how that has, has impacted the city and law enforcement in the last few years. So, Robert, why didn't any of these folks that were trying to primary uh, Joe Hogsett bring this up when the Indiana primary was getting ready to happen? Yeah, um, <laughs> smile on your face there. You know, I, I've, I've. There's one of them that I've become friendly with over social media. That this, this had some conversations with me, so I won't, I won't tell, say what he said. But I don't think that they wanted to put it out there because I think it would just be a hit on just the Democratic establishment in general. Because ultimately, a lot of the people that are in infrastructure and and leadership in the city yeah. would move on to the next. Move on to their their administration, right? So, but the question should have been asked, right? The question should have been asked, either from those individuals trying to primary Joe, sure. or other members of the Indianapolis media. We're not the only place where people talk shop here. Every local TV station has some sort of political pundit, mm. political show, and nobody wants to address the elephant in the room of the mayor being missing during rioting. So, yeah, and one of the things I want to talk about, too, is like the media, because, you know, I've had interactions with reporters from the star and going back to the primary. One of the things that a lot of people in the city don't understand, or a lot of them don't even know, is that the mayor and his office are currently named in a wrongful death suit for against uh, Chris Beatty that died, uh, you know, during mm-hmm. the riots. Mr. Indianapolis. Mr. Indianapolis. Right. And and. If you look at if you look at how those things usually happen, you know, 
it's probably going to settle. I've been watching that case a little bit. And so that's going to cost us hundreds of thousands, if not a couple million dollars, if it settles. But imagine if any of the Democratic primary officers asked, you know, what about this lawsuit you have against you? Because he's named as an individual, not just his office, named as an individual in this wrongful death. And I also want to make sure we remember, um, what's her name, Jessica Wicker, that died. On, Jessica, yeah, we just talked about her. We just talked about her canal, also, right? In the, yes. the canal that was, of what, 2020. Four days later, yeah. she has been completely forgotten. But there's no part of me that believes that her death was not a consequence of what happened during those days. Absolutely. There's no part of me. So, two things here before we let you go here. Sure. Again, we're chatting with Robert Evans third. Number one. Where can we get the audio of the IMPD the day of the riots or the days of the riots? Is this something that FOIA requests has to uh, file to make happen? Because I know the FOP president has been asking for the tapes to be released. Somebody has to be on the record of telling the IMPD basically to stand down. And number two, big picture, What's next for your investigation here? Yeah, so my my understanding is that as long as there's not an active investigation going on, those records should be public, right? And 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 I and my my belief that, you know, and this is not a a, a criticism of IMPD, but my belief is that IMPD and the mayor's office should want to release those to the public for truth and reconciliation. So I think that we can get those. And I'm going to I'm going to work to get those. I'm actually starting to work with some attorneys to kind of refine this process right now. Uh, yeah, and thanks for asking. Like, what 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 the next steps are? So for me, I have I have four things I, I want to just hope everyone can work with. Like, real quick, I think that all elected officials, regardless of party in this state, should ask for an independent investigation into those nights, be it federal, be it a state judge or something like that. We need to know what really happened. Like you said, who was in charge? Who said what? You know outside of party because the mayor cannot pick the people to investigate his own department. There's there's Absolutely no, there, not. there's nothing there. Yeah. Real quick, secondly, um, everyone who ever sees the mayor or anyone in his administration needs to ask. We need to stand up as citizens and just ask. Outside of party, just ask. And that's citizens, that's news directors, that's news reporters, directors. that's anybody he actually lets in his inner circle. Sure, yeah. Uh, on Twitter, at R3Evans, if anybody would like to reach out and uh, talk to you about this or any other issue, at R3Evans on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us in studio. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. That's thanks, really great. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Aaron Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play Is This Anything? I will run a few different stories by you. You tell us if they're anything or not. And we'll start with this. Is this anything? Here's an improbable accident that happened as a father was teaching his son to drive. The kid hit a pothole and then veered off to the side of the road where his right wheel drove up 
a retaining wall with cement blocks stacked like steps. When the car stopped, it was resting on its left side. <laughs> totally insane. Everybody's okay. We'll go around behind Kroger so you don't have to deal with... There's a big hole right there. Stop, stop! Oh, Sam, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, buddy. So what now? I don't know. Turn the car off. All right. Are you hurt? Um, I don't think so. Um, should I call 911? Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor people. I'm glad they're okay. It was just kind of very funny. They're like, they're, the car is literally laying on its side. He goes... What do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's something. I'm glad everybody's okay. It sounds like they were driving somewhere in Indianapolis uh, with a pothole problem down here. You are going to have a blast, Nige, when you finally start teaching your kids to drive, when they oh, get boy. to that age, because I totally feel that, right? We just got uh, our oldest driving. He's been driving for about two years. Yeah. My youngest is learning right now. Boy, really? you got to have patience. You got to have patience <laughs> in the face of sheer terror sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't look forward to it. A lot of kids now don't even don't want to drive, aren't interested in getting their license these days. Right. It's crazy? It's crazy. Kids today, they're just like, eh, if I get my license, I do. If I don't, when I was that age, I was counting down the days until I was Well, 16. not only that, I had to get my, I was made to get my license. It didn't matter if I wanted it or not, I did want it, but my, my dad also said, the day you get your license is the day you get your butt to Brownsburg and start applying for jobs. And so, I was, there wasn't a choice for me. Man, times have changed. Kids today, they're just... Eh, about driving. I was ready to drive to Florida. The minute I got my driver's <laughs> yeah. license, let's go. So, this is crazy. I have watched this video. I'm getting ready to tell you about Nige probably a okay. hundred times, and I still don't know what to think. Is this anything? A woman had this epic meltdown on an American Airlines flight when she stormed up and down the aisle, turning around, saying that a passenger on the back of the plane I've seen this. was not real. She told the passengers they were all going to die if they stayed on the flight <laughs> because the person in the back was not real. Here are parts of the rant, which was uploaded to TikTok. I'm telling you, I'm getting the f off, and there's a reason why I'm getting off, and everyone can either believe it or they cannot believe it. But I am telling you right now that back there is not real, and you can sit on this plane and you can die with them or not. Wow. Yeah. Uh, straight to the no-fly list uh, forever for you. Uh, sounds like uh, maybe some cheating was going on in the relationship. I mean, we never saw who was back there, who she was pointing to. If you could find that video, if you could retweet that. Um, I, I, I just... <laughs> I want to know what's going on. She's pretty hot, too. Yeah, we need another video. Because, like, when you say not real, is somebody not who they appear to be? Or is there, like, a robot back there? <laughs> is there a ghost you're pointing to? Right. Um, so, I'm assuming she was drunk and or 
um, incapacitated mentally in some way, shape, or form, maybe on drugs, maybe on uh, certain medications. And, you know, a lot of people, like a lot of times they take like eight Xanax and drink a bunch just because they're nervous flyers. Right. They just get extremely, hand- like, I don't even do that crap. But if you look at her eyes, she didn't appear to yeah. be like freaking out. Yeah. She didn't appear to be drunk. Like, it's really bizarre. Um, all right, I'm retweeting it now. Um, <laughs> this woman, I mean, she's marching up and down. She's <laughs> saying it with conviction. She looks back and says, that person is not real. And everybody's head turns back to see who the person was that's not real. We need more information on this one. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel show. You know, Hammer, this is pretty cool. It's not uh, every day we get to talk to uh, the creator of one of the more cultural and uh, controversial phenomenons on Twitter. <laughs> I'll let you do the uh, honors on the drivehubler.com hotline. The creator of Libs of TikTok is Haya Reichik. Haya, how the hell are you? Hi, I'm so great. Thank you for having me on. How are you? We're doing great. Uh, we got a number of different places we could go to here, but Pride events just wrapped up, although some believe it's the summer of Pride. Pride month just wrapped up. And I've been following you on Twitter as long as, as well as Libs of TikTok account. And it seems like you have been the voice of reason here, but for whatever reason, you keep getting called out. Out. Like this little feud you had with one of those Krasenstein brothers about whether or not children should be used in pride events where grown men are twerking and showing their junk to these kids. For whatever reason, that's a controversial take now. Take me through what you've seen the last month. So uh, straight out of the leftist playbook is um, they do these insane things. They're constantly moving the Overton window into what should be normal and accepted. And then when we start calling it out, um, they start, you know, they start saying this is actually not happening. Um, And then we show proof of it happening. And then they say, oh, yeah, okay, it actually is happening, but it's fine. Um, And that's what we're seeing here now. They did that with critical race theory being in schools. They did that with drugs for kids. They did that with gender ideology in schools. So basically they want to be able to do whatever they want. They want to be able to sexualize their kids and groom our kids, but they don't want anyone to notice. And the second you notice and you start calling it out, they start defending it. They start promoting it. Um, and they start also censoring you or requesting you to be censored and silent for simply showing them what they themselves are doing and saying, because they just, they know that it just does not hold up to scrutiny. So if you call it out, they will do everything they can um, to say that you are the bad guy for simply reporting on it. And the beautiful thing about the Libs of TikTok account is you don't have to manipulate anything. It's their own words. It's their own actions, their own video. And after they get called out on all of their nonsense, you (laughs) have to just sit there and watch them implode. And it's beautiful. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's stunning, and it's I think it's brilliant um, because no matter how much they try to cover it up and backpedal and um, you know and try to twist what what I'm doing, um, the fact of the matter is that they what they're doing is wrong, um, and I'm just gonna keep I'm just gonna keep showing it for as long as I can. And you know, Haya, we're speaking with the creator of Libs of TikTok. I mean, that's kind of the beautiful thing about Libs of TikTok is you sort of you you present without commentary so to speak the video speaks for itself whatever uh controversial topic it may be like you don't really you don't do the commentary you don't add your own spin to things and i think that's really what the left you know when libs of tiktok was created was was like oh wait a minute wait a minute they're actually showing what we're doing here <laughs> and uh, you and you've done nothing wrong except present without comment yeah, um, like I said, like they want to be able to do their whole agenda, right, without anyone coming in the way of that. So, so the second anyone steps in, um, they're going to do whatever they can to to silence that person, whether that's with you know calling me every kind of insult and slur and name in the book, to requesting um, social media to suspend me. Um, and it's not just me; it's, it's anyone who, who speaks out against this. But you know, I've been I, I would basically. Um, uh, the Twitter before Elon bought Twitter, I was suspended like seven times. So they were doing <laughs> be, everything they can be a record. to silence me. And I'm like, look, like, what does that say about you? It's all I'm doing is showing what yes. you're saying and doing, and and you guys can't stand it. Then you know what does that tell us? You know, maybe it's time to look in the mirror and really think about this. Take me through like a day in the life of your personal Twitter feed because it's been about a year since Taylor Lorenz. And the good time party boys over at the WAPO doxed you in some sort of gotcha moment. But hell, if you look at what's transpired, Taylor Lorenz's career has gone down the toilet. People are leaving the WAPO in droves. Feels like you've never been more popular. Um, it seems like it's worked out for you, but take me through what it's like just one day in the world of your social media. So. Taylor Lorenz doxing me was one of the greatest examples of the strides and the facts that I've ever seen in my life. And it's obviously not something that I ever planned for or wanted. Um, but once it happened, I was like, okay, you know, this is the reality now of my life. So I have to just embrace it. And that's exactly what I did. Um, so, so I think the, the account grew a lot in popularity. Um, my personal account grew as well. Like people were, were actually, actually really inspired by what I was doing. So I'm actually very grateful to Taylor for that. Um, <laughs> did she show up at your house? Yes. <laughs> did, did you open the door or like, were you like, get off my porch, you weirdo? <laughs> no, I, I was actually not around. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she went to a couple of my relatives' homes. Oh, that is so creepy. I mean, yeah, what yeah. a weirdo. And did you, have you actually talked to her or exchanged a, a back and forth with each other on social media or personal wise? So only on Twitter, um, but we've never interacted outside of okay. that. Do you still get like death threats and horrific things sent to you on a daily basis or has that kind of calmed down a little bit? 
no, I definitely get those almost daily. Um, it's 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 kind of like up and down. You know, sometimes it's it's worse than other times. If, for example, like if if something happened and then the media decides um, that I did something wrong or that something is my fault, um, you know, then they they publish they publish that and then um, it brings a lot of attention, negative attention to me. And then you know I could get dozens of death threats in one day when that happens. Um, but on, on on an average day, it's just. Um, if I get any, it's, you know, just one or two. Right. And it's a bizarre thing. And we get it to a very small extent, nowhere near to what uh, you get. But take like the Nashville shooting, for example, where this transgender weirdo opens up fire and kills children. Well, you break the news and we did the same thing, that it was indeed a transgender shooter. Somebody that left the manifesto seemed like they had an axe to grind here. You simply report that. And then here comes all the trolls left and right blaming you for reporting on the story yeah exactly and that's what they do with basically every single every single story that's what they did with me reporting on the genital mutilation of children in various hospitals um they'll do that with me reporting on like pornography being in schools um with reporting on what teachers are are doing to kids in schools how they're indoctrinating and grooming them they'll do that with anything that i report on so at this point it's it's just like expected we're speaking with Haya Raitik, uh, the creator of Libs of TikTok. How many followers do you have now? Um, on tw- on just uh, Twitter, Libs of TikTok Twitter, it's 2.3 million. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and so do you have, how, how do you get your tips? Do you do it all yourself? Do you have a staff? Do, you, do people send you things and say, hey, check out this, this crazy lunatic? So I get a lot of messages on Twitter and to my email um, from people across the country, but I also do a lot of the research on my own. Um, I have a very, very small staff. I have one assistant, um, and we basically just uh, do everything, do everything ourselves. Well, it's not every day somebody can bring one of those wieners that's a Krasenstein brother off of social media, but you managed to do that, Haya. So on behalf of all the folks listening to our program, thank you for that. Uh, You teased something on your, I think it was your personal Twitter account. Uh, You went down to Nashville. Now, I don't know if you can talk about it or not, but it sounds like you're working on something. Um, yeah, it should be uh, late August. Um, this this project that I think is going to just you know throw a wrench into the entire um, you know trans agenda. Um, so that is really exciting. There are a lot of exciting things in the works. I mean, I think Libs of TikTok is really instrumental in showing, um, you know, this, this agenda that's basically coming for children. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to help with educating people and raising awareness about it, um, in any way I can. So there, there's, there's going to be a lot of, of exciting projects coming up. Well, whenever you're ready to roll that out, we'd love to have you back on the air here in uh, Indy. And our friend uh, Tony Kennett, by the way, the man behind the Ministry of Truth account, wanted us to tell you hello as well. Oh, I didn't know he was behind it. (laughs) 
I think I've seen his account. Send him my regards to you. You got it. Hire right chick libs of TikTok. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, earlier, I posted um, a, a couple of pictures on Twitter at Hammer and Nigel of. Um, some of what I experienced over the weekend in downtown Indianapolis. We were on a rooftop having drinks with my wife and her, like, boss's boss's boss. It was know? a regular was, bingo card of things you saw the last couple of days. Yeah, we look up, and diagonally, there is a hotel. I'm not going to say the name of the hotel, but there's a fat, naked guy pounding on the window, like, four or five levels up, with his junk pressed against the, the window, trying to get people to notice him. And all the Wow, like we're up there with my wife's, you know, the, the person she's like the number three guy in her company and the kids <laughs> and his wife. Uh, well, welcome to Indianapolis, guys. They're from Texas, you know, they're really nice. Do you guys normally have <laughs> that going on? And then today I had to drop, so my, my dad and his wife live downtown and got to drop the kids off to them. They're, they're doing a sleepover with the, you know, grandma and grandpa, Papa and Gigi. And Lying at my dad's front door on the sidewalk with his hands down his pants is a homeless guy with his shirt halfway off, just laying flat on the ground. And my dad, like, hey, it's like, hey, you you need to leave. My grandkids are coming here soon. And the guy slowly gets up and he's stoned out of his mind. He goes, you're going to have to give me a minute. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I mean, go look at the picture. So I get this high and mighty piece of garbage that calls himself the homeless menace. At pangs of pain, did you offer the gentleman lying on the ground any help? A cold drink? And I said, no, we politely asked him to leave as the grandkids were getting ready to be dropped off shortly. And then he wrote back, you must be beaming with pride. It's funny how you two are always bloviating about the homeless, yet you never do anything to help them. And, I, and I, like, I've stopped you know, messaging this guy. But first of all, this dude, that's, he's clearly a drug addict. He's not homeless. Right. He's there because he wants to be. And I don't want, I'm sure my parents don't really want to get in the habit of <laughs> offering food and drinks and water to the homeless that camp outside their front doorstep. Right. Like a feral cat. Right. Once you start feeding that thing, they'll keep coming back. Are you expected to pick up the guy on bath salts on the ground? <laughs> hey, let's get you some milk and yeah. wrap him up in a blanket. Is that what they want yeah, you to do? Be there the next day, expecting the same thing. No. There are my shelters dad, available, my, my, multiple places available. Multiple places to get cleaned up and get your li life together, get your act together. Hell, Joe will put him up in a hotel. My Boss Hawk <laughs> yeah. said he'll put him up in a hotel. And so don't try to guilt trip me because my dad didn't ask the guy if he needed any water. No, get off the doorstep. This OD my, this is my, this somewhere is private, else. This is private property. 
F yourself. <laughs> like the guy, the guy was like, my, my dad wasn't rude about it, but he's like, hey, look, you got to go. This is a residence. This is private property. And uh, I've got grandkids coming. I'm going to need a minute. The, I mean, guy's a the dude ODing on the ground was dictating the terms. Right? <laughs> and my dad goes, you got to go. And he probably went and laid at somebody else's doorstep or business. So shut up the homeless menace <laughs> and your self-righteous bullcrap. You don't do anything either. If you're looking for a reason to celebrate tonight, it is National Bikini Day, night. Oh, yes. Of course. Support of the beer. So great moments in bikini history. I think if you're talking about great moments in bikini history, history phoebe kate's scene in fast times at ridgemont high is probably right there as the number one scene the pool scene i mean you could make a case for like raquel welch in one million years bc halle berry die another day what about that gif of um oh what's her face kate upton in the other woman yes that's very good too but for me as a Cub fan growing up who used to watch every game on WGN television, when the camera guy would set the trap of finding a hot chick in the crowd in a bikini and wait for Harry Carey to say something inappropriate was always the best. Harry Carey back at Wrigley Field. Well, she wasn't in the right field bleacher yesterday, Arnie. They're showing this hot chick. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the... Lovely side you see at Wrigley Field. Arnie, you trying to get me barred? Of <laughs> that began to look like a strip tease for a while. <laughs> Bobby Dernier. Great moments in bikini history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Jason Hammer right over there. Hope everybody had an awesome uh, extended 4th of July holiday. Uh, Mine started with uh, dinner and drinks downtown Saturday night. And looking up, uh, we were on a rooftop with uh, my wife and her boss and her kid and their kids. They were in town and uh, saw a big old fat naked dude. Oh, Um, Yikes. Uh, in the window of a hotel adjacent across the street. Wasn't Tony Katz, was it? <laughs> I can't tell, but the, I don't know what's creepier in this picture. The, the the dude with his junk pressed against, and he's very hairy man, by the way. Not well kept. No. Kept. Uh, 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 the window directly next to this guy, there's also like a... A floating ghoul. <laughs> it can only be described. It's so bizarre. Now, you put this on our Facebook, too, right? Yeah, it's on Facebook right now. So, um, if you don't have Twitter, go to face- Facebook.com slash Hammer and Nigel. So, that was a photo that you took yes, that in took. one oh, yeah. window. There's Buffalo Bill pushing yes, his junk on the window. And he was pounding the window trying to get people to look up and notice him. But right next door, there's this weird floating ghoul and i don't know how else to describe it's it it's disturbing. bizarre it's very creepy so you can check that out love boy down i i love downtown i want it to thrive i want it to be good but he would struggle especially with all the crime downtown over the weekend and the shootings at the canal over the weekend and the shooting at the block party where a 16 year old girl lost her life just a beautiful young lady taken 
from us because of ridiculousness. It's a mess in Indy right now. It really is. And (laughs) it's not just here. I mean, you look at Baltimore, you look at Philadelphia, also Democrat-ran cities. Um, They had horrific weekends of death and violence. When there's no fear of law enforcement or punishment, this is what happens. And so often you have soft mayors, soft prosecutors. These criminals feel emboldened. And right now, whether it's nude guys in a window, people ODing on the street, or being shot at the canal, Indianapolis, it's really no different than Philadelphia, Chicago, Atlanta. When you look at the homicide rate per capita, Indianapolis is worse than Chicago. So hopefully you guys had a good, safe 4th of July. We blew a bunch of stuff up at the Hammer House, and thank God I've still got all my fingers, all my toes. My crank is still in place. Wonderful. Everything is good. So this brings (laughs) us to a story that's taking place in Washington, D.C., Cocaine at the White House. Wow, yeah. Somebody dropped a bag of cocaine in the West Wing. So if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Can we have some mood music, Allison? Oh, yeah. Everybody. Cocaine. Andrea Mitchell of NBC News, she was the one to first confirm that this wasn't a bag of sugar, this wasn't somebody's, you know, dust or sand, this was the bad man. And turning to some breaking news, we have just learned that a formal lab has confirmed the suspicion that that white powdery substance found in the West Wing on Sunday was, in fact, positive for cocaine. The discovery led to a brief evacuation of the White House Sunday night. I can't even fathom anything like this having been found before in the West Wing, and I go back to the 70s at the White House. So the question becomes, whose blow is it? Uh, You know... Tony Kennett, who was filling in for Rob Kendall today in the uh, Kendall and Casey show, had a, had a good point. I mean, we could all make Hunter Biden jokes. We know he lives or spends time at the White House, and he's, uh, I guess, possibly recovering. <laughs> Not in the process of using, but recovering coke addict. So, I mean, that's that joke is kind of low-hanging fruit, but his point was that like, these guys at D.C., these interns, these people that have access, they all do it. Like he made the Wolf of Wall Street comparison. If you ever seen that movie with Leo DiCaprio, it's just right. it's it's he, you know Tony made the point. Yeah, Adderall's not getting the job done. It's it's coke. So it could be some sort of uh, young staffer or young intern or something like that that, that loves to party. But I, I just don't see how you get that through security. I don't know what protocols there are in terms of who gets to come and go without being searched. Right. Because this was found near the West Wing. This isn't where the pizza is dropped off at the front gate or something like that. I think they do have tour groups and stuff go through there. All right. So just hear me out on this one. Okay, so you're right. It's too easy to say, well, that's hunters. That's clearly (laughs) hunters. What if 
that was the big guys. <laughs> what if that was Joe Biden's cocaine? Because perhaps that's the only way they're able to get him up, <laughs> standing upright in front of a podium to do some of these speeches that he gives. If you remember, he has talked about taking cocaine before. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine. <laughs> So it's top of mind with Joe Biden. And if you remember before the presidential debates where it was Biden against Trump, Donald Trump, maybe he was joking, maybe he wasn't, said Joe Biden took a little something to make him more energetic. They give him a big fat shot in the ass and he comes out and for two hours he's better than ever before. So I'm just saying, you can't rule out the yeah, big guy here. You're right. Because think about how much of a mess Hunter is. Sounds like Joe Biden's brother is a train wreck, too. I can totally see the big guy doing the blow, having some standby just so he can get through the day. <laughs> can't rule out Joe Biden. So this brings us. Well, wait a minute. Didn't Donald Trump weigh in on this? Oh, he did. The Donald Trump on True Socials. I just put I this on our Twitter. It's at Hammer and Nigel. I took a screenshot of Truth Social and I put it on our Twitter at Hammer and Nigel. This brings us to Donald Trump's thoughts on what happened. Quote: Does anybody really believe that the cocaine and it's all caps, <laughs> cocaine found in the West Wing of the White House, very close to the Oval Office, is for the use of anyone other than Hunter and Joe Biden? <laughs> Both of them? But watch. The fake news media will soon start saying that the amount found was, quote, very small, and it wasn't really cocaine, but rather commonly ground up aspirin, and the story will vanish. Has deranged Jack Smith, the crazy Trump-hating special prosecutor, been seen in the area of the cocaine? (laughs) He looks like a crackhead to me. (laughs) He looks like a crackhead to me! A former sitting president of the United States just called the special <laughs> counsel a crackhead on Truth Social. So good. Oh, wow. And this brings us to great moments in cocaine history. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Pee Wee Herman. This is crack. <laughs> Rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. It's the most addictive kind of cocaine and it can kill you. What's really bad is nobody knows how much it takes. Thank you, Pee Wee. (laughs) Great moments in cocaine history. This was when the Powerball had a massive jackpot and a local TV reporter was asking people about the lottery. Sir, can I ask you what your lucky numbers are? Uh, I'm going to pick 14, 24, 2, 7, and 15. Can I ask you, if you won all the money, what would you do with it? Bunch of hookers and cocaine. Oh, okay, that's not good. <laughs> and lastly... Well, first of all, who are you to say it's not good? <laughs> Maybe it's that's, good for him. It's great for him. Maybe not you. Lastly... Great moments in cocaine history. Hammer and Nigel Records, our tribute to Hunter Biden. Who you trying to mess with, Ese? <laughs> Don't you know who my daddy, daddy is? That Hunter Biden was trading on his father's office to make 50 grand a month from the Ukrainians. In October, he admitted it. Son of Joe Biden, and boy, it's tough. I put the crack in the pipe and smoke it up. I like <laughs> every day I'm tweaking, laptop tweaking, pictures of me on a cocaine bender. 
quick throw Joe got me working in the Ukraine gas company directing. The only thing I know about gas, you can have it. Now I got 50k a month in my pocket. For the direct as Burisma, I'm smashing my dead brother's widow and pregnant a stripper. Oh. But nothing is better than crack cocaine when you're rich and famous in the Ukraine. Cocaine in the Ukraine. <laughs> cocaine in Ukraine. Cocaine in the Ukraine. Cocaine straight to the bone. Cocaine in the Ukraine. Cocaine in Ukraine. Cocaine in the Ukraine. Cocaine straight to the bone. Go through a little Cypress Hill phase. Yeah. We put that classic hit together. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Nigel show. Uh, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer, right over there. With some, uh, oh, do we have some calls? We do, and I want to set this up properly because I went down a rabbit hole on this Twitter thread, and the subject was, "What's the cheapest thing you've ever done?" And the conversation starter was whoever made the post said, "One time, I got a car rental of my exact make and model, and manually swept." switched out all four tires from my car to the rental car and then took it back. <laughs> I got a new set of tires for $75. Genius. I wouldn't call that cheap. That's genius. Criminal, but well, sure. <laughs> he also got new tires. I once snuck up. I, I live like 10 minutes away from this movie theater and I snuck, I, I pre like microwave popcorn. Yes. Popped it at my house, put it in my jacket, in the bag. Snuck it into movie theater so I would have to buy my own and actually took it out when nobody was looking to put butter on it. Nice. Used the butter, you know. That you brought you, everything. Yeah. Well, no, I, I used the butter that, oh, that, that was okay. already there provided. So. <laughs> so you brought your own popcorn, but used the house butter. Yes. Got you. Uh, here's another thing on this Twitter thread. Me and my friends hid in a trunk so we could all sneak into the drive-in movie. Yeah. We split the ticket between all of us, only one of them had to pay. So everybody loaded up in the trunk, basically, and they got to go into the drive-in movie. Allison, what's the cheapest thing you have ever done? Uh, I think the cheapest thing I've ever witnessed was a friend in college. We had a cafeteria that he did not pay for. He would just, quote-unquote, sit with us at lunch. But he would bring gallons, uh, empty gallons of uh, milk and just uh, go to Soda Fountain, load those up. And just load it up. <laughs> load it up. Does this count like... If I was dining in at like McDonald's or something, and you say, I'm just getting a water, and they hand you a cup. Now, water is substantially cheaper than a soda, but you use that it's little free. cup to fill up the uh, the fountain. Does that count? It's a clear plastic, the clear di- plastic Dixie cup that they basically give you. Right. That's pretty cheap. I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. Bruno's follicles on Twitter. Hammer and Nigel, we were dining at a fast food restaurant. I used to get sandwiches and hamburgers without cheese, and I would bring my own cheese slice. <laughs> That's so bad. That's so cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. That's, that's the worst I've heard. So the question is, what's the cheapest thing you've done? Be quick, be clean, and we'll see how many calls we can get here. Rich, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, uh, yeah, when I was a private in the Army, we used to go to Golden Corral on Saturday or Sunday at like 9.30. Chow down on breakfast, go take a deuce, eat, drink some coffee, and then eat lunch so we didn't have to pay for two meals. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd switch everything out. You would have yeah, a bit of a blowout. And then you use the bathroom and get your coffee, you know, and then they got lunch out. Hey, bada boom, you know. <laughs> Excellent. Genius. Thank you. Again, the word genius comes to mind. Not cheap. Liz, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Hi. Um, this wasn't actually, this wasn't actually uh, cheap or cheesy on my part, but I hired a contractor to remodel uh, several bathrooms and flooring and things like that, uh, tubs, sinks, shower fixtures, and all of that. And um, he decided he was going to buy enough for himself. <laughs> And, uh, hey Liz, I, I can't I can't hear you. Yeah, your, Liz, your we can't hear your I'm phone's sorry. cutting out. I didn't understand that. Uh, let's go to Rob. Rob, you are next up. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Oh wow. Okay, so let me preempt this by saying I am not the same guy that I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Whatever makes uh, you sleep I'm, at I'm night, right Rob. There with you, Rob. Whatever right makes you feel you. better. You know. So um, back in the day, I met a girl. She rented us hotel room. We did what we do. She fell asleep. She had a beautiful gold necklace on the uh, armoire there, and I took it and split and never talked to her again. Oh, you st- that's kind of... <laughs> that's robbed. not cheap. That You robbed her. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I robbed her. That's cheap. <sighs> yeah. Well, that's also I... criminal. <laughs> yeah. This took a really dark turn here. Thank you, <laughs> Rob. So the last two calls, one woman we couldn't hear, and the other one is Dillinger Jr. Thank you. Um, Keith, you're next up. Rescue us, Keith. What's the cheapest thing you've done? I'll do my best. I'm 62, but when I was 21, I had a nice job interview in Chicago with R.R. Donnelly. They fly me up there. They put me up at a pretty nice hotel downtown, and then I got to get a cab to my interview. So I had to wait to get a cab, and there's this fancy guy out there in a coat who hails the cab for you. And I'm like 12th in line. I'm watching everybody's giving the guy a 50-cent tip, but I didn't have 50 cents on me. I had a dollar. And I couldn't see giving the guy a dollar for opening the cab door for him. So I got in the cab and he slammed the door and I've like felt bad ever since. And since then I've been a good tipper. It's been 40 years of guilt for uh, this caller. <laughs> this has become Where a therapy session. Thank you for taking my call. You got it. Is it considered cheap if you make change from the tip jar? Like, because I want to tip the ah. bartender or something, but if all I have is a 20 and all yeah. I have is a 50, you're not getting you that. You make change. Right. Like, is that a cheapskate move to make change from the tip jar? No. Uh, let's see. Brian, you are next up on the Hammer and Nigel show. What's up, Brian? Hey, when I first started working construction, I used to take my lunch just like a bologna sandwich or something. And that was back when, like, Burger Chef had the big fixings bar. Well, the other guys would get all the stuff, and I'd say, hey, get me some tomato and some onions and some pickles and some lettuce and all that stuff. And I'd have me this big old sandwich, you know, instead of just something basic. You know, I used to – thanks for your call. I – uh 
once snuck an entire fifth of Captain Morgan's down the front of my pants to a Britney Spears concert in 2003. Boy, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they were just wanding people. I don't even know that they were wanding people at the time. I mean, it wasn't metal. And I just, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't frisk me or anything. So. You just walked in with a suspiciously large crank. <laughs> oh, it's Nigel. Come on in. Uh, our pal Mindy sends me a text message. Uh, Mindy from uh, Hank and B. I had a friend at Ball State that he and his roommate would steal toilet paper from the buildings on campus to the point to where the entire wall of it was basically redesigned. Okay. People stealing toilet paper, people like stealing jewelry. That's kind of not what we were looking for there. But uh, thank you for all your calls. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also joining us live in studio, Tony Kennett from The Daily Signal, investigative reporter. You, what was that thing I just saw you were at? Uh, I saw the picture of you with like Nikki Haley and DeSantis and... Oh, where, yeah. Where yeah. were you? The, uh, what was so that thing? Every year, the Moms for Liberty crew hold a uh, joyful warrior summit. And this year, it was in Philadelphia. And uh, a lot of presidential candidates spoke there. Of course, Mike Pence was busy flirting with Iowa and Ukraine. Um, and no one really cared. <laughs> but Trump and uh, Ramaswamy and Haley and DeSantis were all there. They all spoke. Wait, wait, wait back up for a second. Moms for Liberty. Why, why am I? They had some controversy recently, right? Yeah. So they're a parental rights group that focuses on uh, giving parents basically the power uh, to raise their own kids and, and not that have started during home. COVID, yeah. right? Right. So a lot of parents didn't like it. You know, Tiffany Justice and uh, Tina Deskovich started this organization, basically said, you know, we're going to form this national organization. Local chapters kind of run yourselves how you want. And we're just going to try to give uh, power back to the parents. And they've done pretty well. Um, yeah. I mean, there's been a little bit of controversy here and there. Most of it. What was up. the controversy? Because I don't want somebody to tweet at us and go, you didn't talk about the controversy. All right. So Hamilton County Moms for Liberty chapter, uh, they tweeted out a, or they they sent out a newsletter in which they said, uh, in, in a quote in the right-hand corner, says, uh, he who owns the child owns the future. And that's a quote from Adolf Hitler. The point of that quote is to say, hey, guess what? When the state starts to control your children, yeah. they will turn them away from traditional values, which is literally why Hitler started the Hitler Youth. So it was a criticism. Media and everyone else was freaking out, saying, they're quoting Hitler. They're supporting Hitler. Oh they my put God. it on like their published material, and yeah. it made it look like it was something they were supporting. Yeah, to anyone with a fourth grade no, education. Yes. who doesn't know. Like, Margaret Thatcher used to use that quote all the time. And funny enough, since then, the Indy Star has published an op-ed in which an assistant professor argues for the very thing that Moms for Liberty was warning about and saying, well, the state should, in order for your kids to be th- free thinkers, we have to make sure that their right to obtain a public school education is is supersedes that of a parent deciding what to do with their children. So, Got it. So, so that, this is the organization, and they've got this big event in Philly, and Trump's there, and Nikki Haley's there, and DeSantis. Santos is there. Wow. Ramaswamy's there. And you're like sitting courtside. Like if this were a Lakers game, you're Jack Nicholson. You're sitting right there, right? <laughs> That's absolutely correct. I, I was sunglasses? in glasses. Uh, no. Uh, but for, for one candidate, and I'm not going to mention who, I did kind of have to like nod because there was a lot of spitting. Uh, but I did kind of sit in that at that front table, right at the front, and I, I kind of covered it. Everyone in the press pit was giving me glares uh, because they were all stuck back there in like the far back left of the room. And I'm just up there with my, my computer typing articles and recording. 
recording their comments. It was it was interesting to see how every candidate, one after the other, communicated to parents because Moms for Liberty and other parental rights organizations have become a voting block in and of themselves. They have become political juggernauts in the last two years, and they're really what the evangelical movement has become. Like that's the new evangelical block. The evangelical block of old has kind of passed away. Parents parental rights, rights is that now the new falls block. into the category of evangelical issues. I, I think so. They, they are the group that really, and they kind of hold broad, they pull broad groups in and kind of form them around singular topics. And so, from the top of what I gathered, Trump was Trump. You know, very, you know, come in, was dancing and, and, and <laughs> saying that everything was, you know, BS and was, you know, walking out doing all this fun stuff. Promised to ban everything via executive order. Uh, things that there was no way on God's green earth he could do. He was still promising it. Like what? Like, uh, we're going to make all principles directly elected by parents in public schools. So, like, parents get to elect what principle they have, which, first of all, no, not a thing that will ever happen outside of complete universal school choice. And even then, probably not. So, a lot of other things he was promising as well that was very popular. Uh, well, just he needs to get out in front of the moms. I think he does. He? I, well, I mean, engaging in with general, culture. In general, women. Well, yeah. I mean, and that, he mentioned that. He mentioned that he's not popular with suburban women voters. Oh, wow. And then he said, well, what suburban women voters is a, what suburban women voters want is a safe country that's not at a lot of wars. You know, they want to have control over their kids' education. And I remember sitting there thinking, if this was what he was focusing on the entire time he was running around the country yeah. instead of DeSantis, then I think that he would be a stronger candidate overall. DeSantis had a phenomenal showing and event. So who were the people in the crowd? Were the people in the crowd moms? Oh, yeah. Moms, some dads. It was just a, a huge chunk of crowd. Registered Republicans and Democrats. So what was the crowd reaction for the candidates in attendance there? If you're somebody that feels like Donald Trump struggles with picking up the support of suburban women, suburban moms, how was he treated by the crowd compared to the other folks that were there? So DeSantis and Trump had wild standing ovations every 36 seconds. Both of them. I mean, it was incredible. <laughs> really. Trump can play a crowd. He's an entertainer. He absolutely did a phenomenal job. Um, and I sat there through the entire hour and a half speech and and just went through all of it. And it was very interesting. I, I Just hearing Trump speak is always something else. It's just weird. Uh, but he did a very good job communicating to the moms in his very Trump-like fashion. DeSantis focused on the issues. DeSantis walked forward and said, here's what I did as governor. Here's why Florida is awesome. Here's why the whole country needs to be Florida. And everyone was standing and clapping and cheering. And wow, it was he great. Is, DeSantis is really on the forefront of all this, of the reason why you guys were gathered there uh, to begin with, I feel like. I think that that's, that's really true. What gets me, and, and I think that, uh, Nigel, you and I have talked about this before, is that the... DeSantis coming out and talking about a lot of these cultural issues with parents has pushed Trump to talking about these things. Yeah. Regardless of everything else in the primary, DeSantis kind of putting his flag in the ground and saying, this is where the line is, has forced Trump to concede. You're right. This is where the line is. This is where, like, you have Trump talking about gender mutilation, which is something Nikki Haley refused to touch. It was very awkward. Really? So, how is campaign rally DeSantis? Because we've seen Ron DeSantis go toe-to-toe and fight with Disney and fight with legislators in the state of Florida and doing governor things and doing it tough. But how was he in 
terms of working a crowd because that's part of this whole process. Right. And the answer is better than last year. Honestly, I, I saw him speak at the Moms for Liberty conference last year. It was in, in Florida and it was a, a Friday morning. I remember him speaking. I thought, hey, he's he's okay. He's getting better. Uh, he's definitely worked on it. This time around, he was delivering excellent lines. He was pausing in the right places. No Jeb Bush, please clap moments. Um, it was it was very a good performance. Please clap. It, it, yeah, it, it wasn't as good as like listening to Reagan or listening to Trump at the stump, but it was better. And he really is starting to deliver in a way that I think is resonating with a lot of people on the ground in a way that the Trump campaign doesn't want to admit. Now, I don't feel like he has a snowball's chance in hell of winning this thing, but it feels like there's a lot of people that are behind Vivek Ramaswamy. Right. They don't like plan yeah. to vote for him, per se, right. but they listen when he speaks. They like what he has to say. He's a great orator. How's he doing? I mean, he, he spoke, and, and there were some there was some standing ovations, a few, definitely less so. Uh, and he, he did a good job talking about America culturally and things that he wanted to do. But v, so Trump has plans. Trump lets you know, I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to swing the executive order hammer. Day one, huge executive order hammers. And everyone's like, yay, we know that's <laughs> what you're going to do. And DeSantis comes in, and he says, I have a plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the legislation we're going to pass. Here's the executive orders that I'm going to tear down. I'm going to abolish all of these different alphabet federal departments via my authority as president. Including the IRS, right? Is he still saying he's going to get rid of the IRS? Get rid of all of the income tax and garbage and just go to a flat 23% income tax, no other kind of taxes, period. Which, considering that most of us do kind of person-to-person transactions without any kind of a sales tax, yeah, I would be up for that kind of a flat tax. So that's what he wants to do. It's a plan. Vivek's like, these are things that I like. And everyone's like, yay. And then he's like, I'm going to solve these over the next eight years. And then everyone says, yay. How? And then he doesn't say anything. (laughs) What Was there protests or anything at this mom's delivery? Oh, boy, were there protests. I mean, like people yelling, fascists! Oh, yeah. Did you guys see the video where I'm blowing a kiss to the protesters as I'm, I'm walking oh. into the... I was Those walking... Were, I, I did see some other protests, though, of... I mean, these are vicious, hateful, visceral, just awful people. I was walking with uh, one of my friends. She was carrying her infant child, and they were screaming at her uh, that they hoped that her child was trans, that that child committed suicide, oh and like gosh. all of this other really horrible stuff. Which, the peaceful, tolerant left yeah, did that? I'm shocked, Interesting, Tony. because I was told very reassuredly that... Um, being trans was a good thing, and yet they were slinging it around like it was an insult. I, the, the kind of, of course, the next day there was, of course, that mass shooting after the, the conference had ended, and then the, the BLM protesters as well that decided to get violent. Uh, all I can say is that thank God for the Philadelphia Police Department. Some stellar guys there, absolutely. Just putting it all out there. The people at the hotel loved the Moms for Liberty crew, like far more diverse than any group of protesters who were all white, like suburban and college like ladies. Um, but the very diverse staff on the inside were thrilled to have the, the conference. Well, there was some damage too, right? Yeah, they defaced the American Museum of the Revolution, the Museum of the American Revolution. They spray painted "Fu" on George Washington's mural crossing the Delaware, oh, as well wonderful. as a, a plaque next. 
next to it. They broke a window in good old George Floyd riot fashion, you know, breaking some windows. Sure. Nothing says anti-fascist like some fascist intimidation <laughs> stuff. Always appreciated. These lunatics make me sick. I'm sorry. And by the way, you know, saying that the Moms for Liberty crew is racist, that museum had a very prominent, like the main exhibit of the museum that evening was on black founders of the United States, which was packed the entire evening. I could barely even get in to see the exhibit. It was very well done. So that's what the protesters were defacing. Well done, left. I want to get to this Ben and Jerry story in just a moment. But just one more thing on this conference you went to in Philadelphia. Nigel and I have been talking today about how downtown just the more you go outside, you see the deterioration of society. You see a shell of what Indianapolis used to be. Right. Did you make it? through the streets of Philly. Did you get a chance to walk around? How was Philly? I, I did. Um, I actually took a, a couple of walks. Um, of course, not in my you know garb for the event so that I wouldn't get... You, you didn't have a red MAGA going. hat on walking through the streets of Philly. <laughs> the yeah, I kind of left that one back at the hotel. But I did kind of stroll through the streets and it was incredible, first of all, how much it smelled like piss. I mean, and, and that reminds you of home because Monument Circle also smells like piss. So, you know, it kind of brings things home to you. Sure. But, I mean, the, the people that are wandering the streets, screaming at everyone. Uh, the the viol- I mean, Philadelphia was a violent city to begin with, but I mean, the, this kind of deterioration of the inner cities made it worse. It's shame because Philadelphia is a gorgeous city, and I enjoyed strolling through it. But I also felt very empty, not carrying while I was there. I did. I didn't feel as safe as I do when I'm, you know, carrying what I always do. And so, I it's just a real heartbreak to see such a beautiful city just torn down by this garbage. Tony Kennett with us. So Ben and Jerry's, they've always been super liberal, very progressive. The ice cream guys? The ice cream guys. Very, very woke. They're all about pushing reparations down your throats now. The fine folks at Ben and Jerry's who, last time I checked, they make ice cream. They have no political policies. They're not the president. They're not a senator. They're not a congressperson. But they're going to shame you if you don't like reparations. Yeah, so Ben and Jerry's decided on yesterday, the 4th of July, the the American Day of Independence, to tweet out that the, the 4th of July is a day to take a stand for Native American reparations. You see, we stole land from the Native of Americans, and you read this, and you're just everyone rolls their eyes collectively. Oh, they're the Fourth of July is bad people. They're like Cory Bush, right? right. Fourth of July is racist. <laughs> if you light off a firework, you might as well have a Klan hood on, right? Right. So I, I then they say this Fourth of July, let's commit to returning it. So first of all, as someone who is actually a card carrying member, according to the federal government of the Cherokee tribe, I'm not like one of the white girls that runs around and is like I'm a 164th Cherokee. You're Elizabeth Warren. That's I, what you're telling me, I Thomas. Know. Isn't it incredible? I. I I technically could qualify for a stake in the profits of our uh, tribes, businesses around the country and all that junk. But I, it's amazing. I've never seen Ben and Jerry's donate to anyone in, in my family for reparations. I've never seen them donate an acre of land, of which they own you know, a fair amount of land. I've never seen them donate $1. I've never seen them donate any time or services. Or, or as one commenter pointed out, there's not even like Cherokee chocolate chunk ice cream for Ben and Jerry. There are no reparations made. They do have a petition, a petition that you can sign that says that South Dakota needs to give Mount 
Rushmore back to the to the Native Americans because if they don't, that's just yeah. super bad. Gosh. Thirty seconds left here. What's coming up at the Daily Signal? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing an investigative report on how Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a big freaking liar, oh. and he is did so knowingly, and he also threw one of his staffers under the bus because he's also a coward. So he needs to man up and quit being a, a whiny wuss and maybe run a campaign like a man. So that, and then also uh, we're talking wow. about some of the other violence that happened in Philadelphia over the weekend. On Twitter, at the Tonus, Tony Kennett, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.